Take your Bibles this morning and turn to Luke. Luke chapter 19. Luke chapter 19. This may be a familiar story to most of us, but uh, it's powerful in its application in our lives. The story of Zacchaeus. Luke chapter 19, begin with me in verse 1. The Bible says, And Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus, which was chief among the publicans, and he was rich. And he sought to see Jesus, who he was. And he could not for the press, because he was little of stature. And he ran before and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him and said unto him, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down, for today I must abide at thy house. And he made haste and came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they all murmured, saying that he was gone to be a guest with a man that is a sinner. Yeah. And Zacchaeus stood and said unto the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I had taken anything from any man by false accusation, I I restore him fourfold. And Jesus said unto him, This day is salvation come to this house, for as much as he also is a son of Abraham. Verse 10, Jesus said, For the Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which is lost. When you look here in this story, beginning in verse 1 and 2, we see that Jesus, He's on His way to Jerusalem and He passes through Jericho. Now, as we've already read the story there in John 4 and had messages on that, He said there that He must needs go through Samaria. Why? Because there was someone there that was seeking Him. I don't believe that when Christ moves and when Christ walks and when Christ is among us, that there's any coincidence in that. He is going to seek and to save that which was lost. And when he's on his way and going through Jericho, he meets up with this publican. Now the publican, they were tax collectors for the Romans and they had a, had a, a tendency or a, uh, a reputation to be a little bit oppressive. And not much different from today, except there may be more uh, corruption. They were not liked by anybody. And this particular publican was the chief. So he was the most disliked. He was described in this passage as being rich. Now, throughout uh, the Gospels, when you read it, This word, publican and sinner, 
uh, or sinners is almost synonymous. I mean, they'll say it in the same thing. He ate with publican and sinners. The, the publican and sinners. The you know they kind of mixed them together as if they were just known as they were uh, corrupt and hard to deal with and just bad people in that one sense. So you see the message that comes across in this Zacchaeus. He is the chief of the publicans. You know, the Lord specializes in picking up or getting the chief of sinners and the chief of publicans. There was another one uh, in the Bible, in the New Testament, that claimed to be the chief of sinners. That was Paul the Apostle. Jesus Christ used him in a great and mighty way. We see here the chief of publican. We see Paul, the chief of sinner. Paul said that uh, to Timothy in 1 Timothy 1.15, this is a faithful saying worthy of all acceptation that Christ has come into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. Now, Paul was not a publican. Paul was one of those Pharisees that looked down on the publicans. But you know what Paul realized? And I think every one of us in our Christian life need to get, I mean, we need to get it, that we're all sinners. That we're all sinners. And even though Paul was a Pharisee and he kept the law and he was in all points uh, blameless, he, he couldn't be proven of any guilt, he realized that maybe even he was worse than the publican because of his spiritual pride and self-righteousness and complete and total trust in himself instead of his trust in God. Paul got it. He said, hey, though I'm a Pharisee, I am chief of sinners. And Christ came, he came to save this chief of sinners. He came to save anyone and whosoever will. But Zacchaeus here being described as the chief publican, being described as rich. You know, Zacchaeus, when we read this story, he was rich, but you know what else, what else he was? He was in need. I, I, get the, I get the sense that Zacchaeus was a bit lonely. I get the sense that he was lost. Although Zacchaeus was rich, he was lost. You know, the Bible says that the Pharisees, that they... Uh, that they offered up Jesus Christ to be crucified because of envy. That's what the Bible says. And I, I kind of have an idea that maybe the Pharisees hated the publicans not just because they were uh, uh, corrupt, and they may have been or they were, but also that, that some of them were rich. We see that, that some folks, they have an envy of people because of what they have, because of what they're... You know, you know what that is when we envy folks because of their wealth? It's sin. It's not right to do. But you know what we understand? That in that culture probably, in this culture, everybody thinks that, hey, if we just were rich, right? Isn't it true that in this culture, many folks think if I just had more money, then I wouldn't have as many problems? You know, the truth of the matter is, if we had any wisdom from the Bible, that maybe more wealth, more riches would just bring more problems. Our problem isn't a lack of wealth. Our problem isn't a lack of riches. Our problem is just a sin problem. Amen. And this sin problem, it, 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 goes from, it goes from the rich, it goes to the poor, it goes from the religious, and it goes to the heathen. 
It doesn't matter. Each and every person is in need of Christ. Jesus, and it's interesting, Jesus had just, when you read this passage and then kind of get the whole context of like, for instance, Luke 18, Jesus had just said in in Luke 18 verse 24, and when Jesus saw that he was very sorrowful, he said, how heartily shall they that have riches enter into the kingdom of God? For it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. You know, before we start to get... When I say rich man, when I say rich, I'm positive because my, myself also do, do this. We always think of someone uh, richer than us. But let me just say, everyone in this room, just because you are born in America... <laughs> that have the blessing and grace of God in comparison to the rest of the world, you're rich. Amen. And there's a, there's a blessing with the richness, but there's also this, there's also this uh, uh, problem that comes with it is that we trust in the riches instead of trusting in God. He said it's hard for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. Verse 25, for it is easier for a camel to go through the eye, uh, needle's eye than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. In verse 26, and they that heard it said, who then shall be saved? I mean, if, if that's how hard it is for someone to enter into the kingdom of God, then who shall be saved? And he said, the thing, things that are impossible with men are possible with God. In other words, Jesus says, hey... Uh, it is impossible for someone to be born again. If you stop to think about this, what if it was in our own power to give someone new life or give someone eternal life, whether they're rich or poor, uh, we couldn't do it. It's impossible with man. And if, if, if someone enters into the kingdom of God, if someone accepts Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior, that is a miracle. And here we see the impossibility of it, but then the very next chapter chapter 19, we see it happen. We see it happen. Christ says it's impossible with man, but with God all things are possible. And then in the very next... You know what the danger is? Is The danger is that if you, if you think that you're rich, if you think that you are, have need of nothing, then you do not trust and you do not seek God and you do not humble yourself. And without humbling ourselves and seeking after the Lord and recognizing our need. <laughs> this humiliation is a huge part, listen, this humiliation of being able to humble ourselves is a huge part of our salvation. You're in Luke, look at Luke 18, verse 9. This is also a familiar passage to you, but it's relevant here. Luke 18 and verse 9. Jesus, he's trying to, you know what he's trying to do? You know what, Jesus, he, he loves the Pharisees. Jesus loves the Pharisees. He was angry with how they were self-righteous from time to time. But he would tell them parables to try to un, help them understand their need. Help them understand their need for him. He says in verse 9, And he spake this parable unto certain which trusted in themselves. Think about this that they were righteous and despised others. Boy, that's a powerful verse. They trusted... You know what what happens when you start trusting in yourself? 
uh, you know, that you that all of this I've achieved, all of this I've built, all of this I've done. Before long, you know what you start to do? You start to look at other people and say, yeah, they're nothing, they're worthless, they're not me. They're not as good as me, they can't do with me. He says, listen, I'm going to tell you this parable for those that trust in themselves and despise others. He says, two men went up into the temple to pray. One a Pharisee, the other a what? Publican. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself. That's the wrong, that's the wrong person to pray to. You don't pray to yourself. You pray to the Lord. God, I thank Thee that I am not as other men are. Why did he even come to church? I mean, why did he... If you don't, if you don't come to seek the Lord and seek His help, if you've come to just tell God how good you are, He says, I come, and Lord, I just want to say I'm just not like other people. I'm so good. I'm so great. I'm, I thank you that I'm not bad like this publican over here. He says, uh, I am not as other men are, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, even as this publican. I fast twice in a week. I give tithes of all that I possess. And the publican, standing afar off, would not so much as uh, lift up his eyes into heaven, but smote upon his breast, saying, What? God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Wow, what difference between the two, the humility and the pride. He says, I tell you, this man went down to his house, what? Justified rather than the other. For everyone that exalteth himself shall be abased, and he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. We see here that Zacchaeus, he was a a sinner. He was a publican. He was rich. But in verse 3, we see that he wanted to see Christ. He wanted to see Jesus. It says, and he sought to see Jesus who he was. I can only imagine that he had heard about Christ, right? He'd heard about the miracles that he'd done that no one else had ever done. He'd heard about the things that Christ was able to do. And, you know, Zacchaeus, he was kind of one of those people that he wanted to see it, wanted to see it for himself. He said, if he's doing this stuff, I want to see it for myself. I hear he's coming this way. I want to see him. He was curious. He'd heard about Jesus. You know what you know what Zacchaeus was? He was reasonable. He was reasonable. You know, when you hear about what Christ can do in an individual's life, when you hear about what God is doing in people's lives, it's only reasonable to say, hey, I want to see for myself. I want to see for myself if this Christ is real. If He can change other people's lives, then maybe He could change mine. It says here He could not for the press, because he was little of stature. Zacchaeus had a problem, even though Christ was there, there was a lot of other people around. And you know what? Zacchaeus couldn't see Christ. You know why? Because of other people. Sometimes in our walk with Christ, uh, whether it's on our way to be saved, to accept Christ as our Lord and Savior, you know what gets in the way sometimes of us and seeing Christ for who He really is? is other people. Other people. Sometimes that their, their opinion of who God is, their, their thoughts of who God is, or their thoughts of the way that God is, uh, sometimes those things get in the way. Listen, even as we try to lead other people to Christ, we ourselves want to have a heart to say, listen, I want to point folks to Christ. 
I don't want to put anything on them that, that, that is not required. I don't want to get in the way from them seeing Christ for who He is because the truth of the matter is Christ has come to seek and save that which was lost. And the lost, what they need is Jesus Christ. They need to see Him and see Him alone. But people, they can get in the way. But he anticipated this, and in verse 4, he took, he took the time to go ahead. It says, uh, And he ran before and climbed up in a sycamore tree to see him, for he was to pass that way. You know, he took the time to anticipate the direction that Christ would be going. I mean, this took a little worry. He said, hey, he's coming this way. I want to see him so much. People are getting in the way. I'm not able to see them. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to go ahead. And I believe Christ is... You know what You know what people will do? When they begin to seek Christ, if you remember back in your, your uh, salvation, there was, there was a time that Jesus Christ was drawing you to Himself, and then you started to seek. You started to say, man, I'll go over here and see if He's there. I'll begin to find a place to where Christ is at. I know this other believer that knows Christ. Maybe I'll talk to them. And he, he was not too proud to climb up into the tree. You know, this is a thing at salvation. We humble ourselves. Even in baptism uh, that we'll be doing today, baptism, sometimes it would take some humbling. Humble ourselves to, to go and to follow the Lord in baptism. But Zacchaeus said, listen, I want to see Him. I want to follow after Him. And it doesn't matter. Today, if it's anything like, uh, if it was anything uh, like it is today then, it would have been humbling to climb up in a tree for this rich man. Wouldn't it? I mean, have to climb up there just to be able to get a good sight of Christ. But he said, listen, I want to see him. I'm not going to allow anything to get in the way. You know what we have to get to in our lives as, as, as Christians? Is I'm not going to let anything get in the way of my relationship with Christ. I'm not going to let anything get in the way. Other people, listen, it's so busy and, and life is so hectic. And well-meaning people, you know what they'll do? And well-meaning tasks and all these sort of things. You know what will happen if we're not careful? Things will get in the way. Things will get in the way. We have to get to a place to say, you know what? It doesn't matter what it takes. I am not going to allow something to get into the way of my relationship with Christ. Verse 5, And when Jesus came to the place, He looked up and saw Him and said unto Him, Zacchaeus, make haste, come down, for today I must abide at thy house. You know what? Christ knew Zacchaeus. He'd never seen him before. This is just like uh, in, in, in John chapter 1 when Jesus meets Nathaniel. And, and he starts telling him what he'd been doing and when, when he was called. And, he, and Nathaniel says, how do you know me? Well, he was the one that created him. He knows the hairs of his head. He knows everything about him. He knew everything about Zacchaeus. And here he does. He looks up and says, Zacchaeus, make haste. Come down. For I'm going to your house today. You know what Zacchaeus does? He makes haste. He comes down. He uh, hurries up. You know what he doesn't do? He doesn't hesitate. You know when the Spirit of God is moving us and when the Spirit of God tugs at our heart, 
You recognize that, right? When you go under conviction and God says, hey, repent of this. When He says, hey, go do this. Hey, go talk to that person. Hey, we shouldn't do this. You know what we should do when the Lord speaks to us and tells us what to do? Make haste. Don't wait. Don't, don't put it off. There's no reason to put it off. When He says it, just make haste and do it. Come as soon as He calls. He says there in verse 6, And He made haste and came down. What's this? And received Him what? Joyfully. Isn't it a joy when you receive Christ? Isn't it a joy when you accept Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior when He comes and calls you? And, and uh, you, know, you know what's interesting? Look here in verse 7. And when they saw it, they murmured. Now who's He talking about? Of course, the Pharisees, they always had a problem with who Christ was talking to. You know, as I find interesting, when you read through, like Matthew 18 and then 19, just those two, two chapters. At the beginning of Matthew 18, Jesus is there and the little children are coming to Christ. And you know what they said? No, 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 not the little children. Not the little children. They can't come to Christ. You know what Christ said? If you don't come as a little child, you can't come to me. You know, sometimes people will say, uh, you know, Owen, Owen, he has told us his testimony that he's accepted Christ as his personal Lord and Savior. And today we've talked to him. He's going he's gonna to participate in baptism. You say, can a five-year-old accept Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior? I did. Rebecca did. The, the, re- the real question that we probably should be asking is not can a child accept Christ as can an adult accept Christ as because an adult has to become like a child and have the faith of a child to believe and to receive Christ as their Lord and Savior. We have to have that childlike faith. He said, they said, don't bring the children. And Christ said, no, bring the children. After that, there was a poor blind man in Luke 18 who was crying out. You know what they said to him? They said, be quiet. Don't bother. Don't bother the Christ. You know what Christ said? No, no, no. Come to me. Then later, the rich man, he wants to come to Christ. And you know what the Pharisees say? Oh, I can't believe that he's going to go and eat with this publican. You know what? You know what it really comes down to? The, the, the Pharisees or the disciples even, you know what it really came down to? The only people that can come to Christ are them. Yeah. They're the only ones. They have a corner around the market with Christ. You know, nobody can come to Christ. The kids can't come. The rich can't come. The poor can't come. The sinners can't come. But you know what Christ says? Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. It doesn't matter to him if it's rich, poor, child. It doesn't matter who it is. Jesus Christ says, Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Christ invited them all to come. Look at well, look what the Bible says in Luke chapter 15. Luke chapter 15. You know this story. Christ begins continue. He, he's continually trying to get the point across to the religious crowd uh, how much he loves them and how much he loves the sinner and how much he loves everyone, and that's why he's come. You know this passage very well. This is the chapter about the prodigal son. Right? And the rejoicing that the father, when the prodigal son comes back, he also tells the story of the lost, the lost coin and the lost sheep. But he, this, what 
prompts Christ to teach him these things, and to sh- what Christ is trying to what Christ is trying to show the Pharisees is: listen, when someone that's lost comes back to me, I'm happy. I rejoice in that. In, in verse one and two, then drew near unto him all the what publicans and sinners for to hear him, and the what. Pharisees and scribes murmured, saying, This man receiveth sinners and eateth with them. (laughs) I have written down there, Thank you that you received sinners. Because had he not received sinners, had he not received sinners, I for one would not have been able to come in. But because he received sinners, we all have that chance. We all have that hope. You know what the Pharisees didn't understand? You know what they just didn't, for some reason, get for understand is that they should have been thankful that Christ received sinners. Jesus Christ was sinful; He is God manifest in the flesh, and for Him to come to Earth and eat with anybody, for Him to come to Earth and eat with anybody is grace. For Him to enter into anyone's house. For him to eat with the Pharisees would have been grace, grace, grace. Amazing grace. But they didn't get it. Why? Because they trusted in themselves. He comes to Jericho and you know what he finds? He finds the biggest sinner. He finds the biggest sinner in Jericho and gives them salvation. Verse 8, it says in Zacchaeus stood and said unto the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have taken anything from any man by false accusation, I restore him fourfold. You know what happens when we really come to know Christ? There is a repentance. Listen, to come to know Christ, it's, it's, by, it's by faith in Christ and it is His grace toward us, that alone. We don't have to do good works to experience Christ's grace, but I am am convinced that to turn to Christ means that we turn from our sin, that we turn from anything else that we're trusting in, whether that's ourselves or whatever. There is a repentance. And you know what? You know what comes with repentance? Forgiveness. A clearing. How do you think Zacchaeus felt after he said, listen, I'm going to get right with the things that I have done wrong. I'm going to get right. I'm going to turn from the things that... Listen, just to come to Christ, I, I don't want it to be a, 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 a thought that when we come to Christ that we just stay as we are and continue to do what we want and do what we will. No, to be a follower in Christ is radical. If you weren't following Christ before and you're following Christ now, your life is about to change. It's different. It is different. There will be repentance. But with the repentance, my goodness, comes just great peace, great release, uh, the burden lifted, the guilt gone. It's the greatest feeling. Verse 9, And Jesus said unto him, This day is salvation come to this house. Listen, aren't you glad that this day the Bible says today is the day of salvation. You, you know, for our salvation that comes so freely through Christ Jesus, it's not something that we have to wait for. 
It's not something that we have to wait for. It's not something that we're continually working on and saying hopefully soon, maybe someday, uh, there's a possibility that if I keep on this track that I'm on now, you know, going to church and doing some good things, someday hopefully I'm going to reach salvation. That's not how it works. No, it's it's immediate. It is absolutely immediate. And what comes immediately at salvation is God's just wonderful blessing and grace just poured on and bestowed upon us as His child. That happens immediately. That's why it's called born again, because that salvation is that we are born into God's family of an incorruptible seed. And it happens immediately. Just as the thief on the cross, he didn't have to wait. Had he gone through a three-day trial period just to make sure that he was serious about his relationship with Christ, he'd have been dead and gone. You know, keep an eye on you for three months and see how you do. When the thief on the cross, uh, he says, listen, I need salvation now. I'm about ready to die. And what Christ say? I'll give it to you now. He says, today you'll be with me in paradise. You didn't have to wait. Salvation is immediate by putting our faith and trust in Christ. Salvation. When he said salvation has come to thy house. Guys, salvation in the flesh had come to his house. You know the difference is? Salvation had come to Jericho. Salvation had gone to Jerusalem. Salvation, listen to me. Salvation has come to the world. But not everybody recognizes it. You know what was the difference between Zacchaeus and so many of the other people that obviously wanted to see him? They wanted to see his miracles. There were so many people that Zacchaeus couldn't get close. But where were they? Did they experience the salvation? I don't know. You know what a lot of folks do? They don't, they don't recognize Christ for who He is. They don't recognize Him that He is the way the truth and the life, that He is the salvation for every mankind. But Zacchaeus did. And Zacchaeus, he got in on the blessing. Christ states here His mission. He states here His mission for coming to the earth. And this mission, listen, this mission, and now this is what I'm going to leave you with as we close. This mission that Jesus Christ came to do, He made it possible but now He's given it to us as a great commission. He says, For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. That's why Christ came. He came to be sacrificed. He came to be a sacrifice for our sin. He came to make a way to God for us. You know what the truth of the matter is? Still today, Christ by His Spirit, is passing through. He's still, he's still seeking and saving. Just as Zacchaeus came and, and experienced the blessing of salvation, Jesus Christ, through His Spirit, is still going through the world today, seeking to save that which was lost. Would we recognize that as our calling? Would we recognize that as our great commission? Would we, like Zacchaeus, be willing to humble ourselves, to say, I want to know Christ, I want to see Christ, 
at any cost. I want to receive Him into my home. I want to receive Him into my life. I want to receive Him. We want Him in this church. We want Christ more than we want anything. Would we come to that point to say, I'm willing to give up what I have like Zacchaeus did? Not saying God's going to take what we have, but we're willing. Why? Because we're not trusting in it. We're not trusting in anything but Christ. We're not trusting in ourselves. Believe. You know what sometimes we think of? I hope that we at times don't get like a Pharisee to begin to start to think that that person's too far gone. That person, they're the chief of publican. That person, they're the chief of sinner. Uh, I don't know if God would or could save them. God could save whosoever will. There is no one that's too far gone. No one that has gone too far that Christ couldn't save. There is no one, listen to this, there's no one too religious that Christ can't save. So many times we look at the big sinner. And I, I have to tell you, the big sinner sometimes is easier to win to Christ than the big Pharisee. Because the big Pharisee has to come to the point that they aren't what they thought they were. But we as Christians, would we surrender ourselves like Zacchaeus and humble ourselves to seek Christ? Would we as Christians see our, that was our mission as Christ said to seek and to save that which was lost?